uh, get you in the conversation. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in today's episode. And this is a great one. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets take down the Toronto Raptors. We're going to get into how this team performed beyond the two major superstars, what it meant to beat the Toronto Raptors, a team that historically has been a problem for Brooklyn, and even in this season specifically, keeping them away from the playoffs and potentially one of those first-round matchups. It's a playoff-clinching game for the Brooklyn Nets, and there's just a lot of good conversations around the rotations, the preparation, and the readiness of all the supporting cast that gets us excited and confident as we look towards the playoffs. But before we break it all down for you, friends, it's got to be the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast. It's on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day, just how you like it. I'm Doug Norrie, owner and operator of DFSR.com. Got you covered for all of your NBA and MLB and NHL and PGA projections that you need for FanDuel and DraftKings. And that is Adam Armbrecht, the silky smooth voice of the Nets over there on Sportscaster, also the host of the One Giant Podcast, which you have to go check out, where he's talking New York football giants. If you're into football, I think there's a draft coming up, so they're covering it all there. Buddy, how are we doing today on a Wednesday when everyone's listening? Friend, I tell you, we're busy guys. Just to be clear, you know, top of the show there, I just feel like we're putting out credentials that should tell people we got a lot going on, but never more than we can handle to be able to come in here and talk about Brooklyn Nets taking care of the Toronto Raptors. This this felt good. We're going to get into everything, but it felt good because they just recently lost to them. And there was all, all of the concerns, I feel like, were, were quelled in this uh, in, uh, what was Tuesday night's tilt against the Raptors down in, of course, Florida, where Toronto plays their games. Yeah, just like just so it's not, not just not so it's not confusing or anything, but yeah, the Toronto Raptors play play in Florida right now. Yeah, so this game they we went into this game. Nets needed to well they didn't need to win. If they won, they were going to clinch a playoff berth. The play the playoffs were not really in doubt for the Nets at this point. So I don't think anyone was worried uh, about whether or not it was a nail it was a nail biter. I hope they make it. Yeah, it really was. I was like sweating out this. Uh, I'm like we're going to close with Mike James and a play for the a, a playoff berth on the line. What are you crazy? So uh, no, but they. Uh, no, they are. They, you know, getting a win just locks it up. And not to say you want to go on cruise control from here on out, because I don't think that's the. Uh, those aren't going to be the marching orders. But uh, to know that they're in the playoffs already, one of the first teams to actually clinch, or the first team I think to actually clinch uh, the playoffs right now. It's just it's a nice. Uh, oh no, excuse me, the Jazz did it too. Second team to clinch the playoffs. Uh, they um, do it tonight, but also kind of has that double feel because, as we talked about on the podcast yesterday, with the way the play-in game works. We talked about teams that we kind of didn't want to see in the playoffs, and I would still put the even with this win, I would still put the Raptors among the group that I'd rather not battle out in the first round. I don't think they would lose the series by any means, but I'm I, if I'm going to get greedy at this point with a number one seed or something like that. At this point, I don't think I want to. 
I want to. I want. I want some bottom feeding teams here. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want. I don't want to just getting healthy, kind of figuring it out with Nick Nurse at the helm. Toronto Raptor team that's super long on defense and can be really pesky and makes a lot of great in series adjustments. That feels like that would not be the reward for getting the the number one seed. But you want in, the Chicago the Bulls, East. right? Literally anybody else, like like anybody from eight to thirteen right now, I would take. Oh, I mean the Cavs aren't going to get in, but the group that's the Hornets, Pacers, Wizards, Bulls, Raptors, which is the bottom, it was eight through twelve right now. uh, I I would take any single other one of those teams over the Raptors, right? So giving them a loss here also kind of did feel like that double bottom line of nice to clinch your own playoff berth and nice to make it one game harder for the Raptors who are still kind of hanging around that last playing game. Yeah, and that, that's why I think we, we highlighted that over the last couple of episodes coming off of, of having lost to the Toronto Raptors. And you go, boy, it's a double down. You lose to the Toronto Raptors, a team that can be pesky and is well coached and still has so much talented players and had been trying to get themselves back to healthy. And that's really the last time these two teams played. It was exactly that. Toronto now finally returning Siakam and OG and Lowry and Van Fleet. And then you lose to them and it and it's such a... Not only did you lose to the Raptors, which feels like, uh, you know, just a, a quality team. So I think that that's like the sample size of playing any good team in the playoffs. You go, I don't want to lose to good teams. I want to beat the good teams. And then you also open the door for them to keep creeping in to that playoff position. So a win today, a lot of just little check marks like the playoff berth that you mentioned. But more importantly, make it even harder. And I know it, it, it's so misleading to look at the 26 and 36 record of the Toronto Raptors and think that we're talking about like as the NBA, as the East often is to look at that record and say, why, why are you concerned about a team that's that, that has that record right now, but they are not the Chicago Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they're not those teams. They're not even the Charlotte Hornets or the Indiana Pacers. They are, they are above all of those teams in my mind, regardless of record. So it's nice to shove them down a little bit deeper and make that road that much harder for them. And right now, coming off that loss, they have the Bulls ahead of them, though a game in hand to play, and then the Wizards. Like It's, it's going to be hard, especially with the way the Wizards have been playing too. So this feels like maybe we, we did a nice little double check here with a W over, over the Raptors. Yeah, and by the way, it's not just a feelings thing with those Raptors team. We talked about this, um, ah, who knows when. We do so many podcats, it's hard to keep track. I don't know. I, <laughs> I keep to, loosely I referencing things. We talked yeah, about sorry. this recently. Yeah, I'm sorry if we just say a lot of awesome things that it's hard to keep track of. <laughs> uh, my apologies, God. No, but the we we talked about this with the Raptors before, is that it just doesn't feel like they're not 26 and 36. Their Pythagorean record, which would be based on the number of points they scored to the, compared to the points they've given up this season, is actually they're an above 500 team. Right, like the, the, the yeah. fact that they're the fact that they're ten games under five hundred is one of the truly run bad seasons of all time. If you're looking at the if you're just looking at simply over the course of the season what they've scored and what they've allowed, because their point differential right now is point six on the positive side, which would put them actually seventh in the East based just yep. on that number. So it's not just a look and feel thing. It's it's the fact that like they've been dealt an unbelievably bad run of just injuries and COVID and all this other stuff and having to move. Like it's really been uh, like an all time, all time bad luck season. I, there's no, no, no way around that. They've had, they've among any other team, they've had to deal with, if not more, you know, the same as if not more, just turmoil. Look, just move out of your home city for an entire year. Like that alone, it puts you behind <laughs> the eight ball, right? And yeah, so, whatever you're doing in your life, go do it from a, uh, from somewhere else that isn't your home. Like, yeah, it's like it, leave it, your family effect, behind. Right? 
Yeah, yep. leave your family behind and do and do all this other stuff. And yet, and 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 then to add on to that, they actually have spent the season outscoring their opponents and somehow find themselves ten games under five hundred. So this again, this is not the team you want to see in the playoffs. So if we can. If we can make it, like I said, make it harder for them to just get into that playoff game, I still, frankly, still think they make it. I I do think this is going to be the team that at least gets knocking on the door of getting into the playoffs, whether or not they're able to pull it off. I just think they're just too good of a team compared to these other Who falls? Just out of curiosity. I mean, I know it's the footnote, but who falls? Like, you think Charlotte or the Pacers will be the team that falls out? Well, I don't know about Charlotte because I, I, they're getting actually getting Lamelo and Gordon Hayward back. So I don't like that. That team actually could improve. The Pacers mm. are without Turner and Sabonis right now. The Wizards, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the Bulls are going to really improve without Levine. Still, I don't know. I don't have a good idea. Oh, I look but, clean like, past. Yeah, I look clean past the Bulls, but but I don't. I just like I, I just still think the Raptors, like when it, you know with you know fifteen games left or twelve games left or whatever it is, are still the better team. Right, we're, we are going to actually you know, <laughs> against uh, what it might have sounded like uh, just talking playoff berth. We are going to talk. Uh, about what's going on with this game. It was a really interesting game. Uh, you know, they were able to beat a Raptors team, which I'm going to call pretty close to full strength here, and the Nets clearly still are not full strength. But there was a lot to learn about this game. I thought a lot of interesting stuff, especially uh, around the ideas of what we've been saying, it was sort of like a next man up mentality with the Nets so far, uh, especially over the last couple months, with just who kind of steps up sort of out of nowhere <laughs> and, and ends up playing really well. But we can't really go that much farther without actually talking about one Mr. Kevin Durant, who in the second game back looks all the, just a complete pillar of health, having fun out there, exhi- exhibiting all the happiness and joy that you want to see out of the guy on the court, really making you feel like he's just fully healthy and just ready to play basketball. The game has definitely come with it, and that's why it only took him two games. But he is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Uh, we right now, Michelob Ultra, when you drink this stuff, happiness, enjoyment, all the key words that you think of, Kevin Durant and Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. You're seeing that right now with Kevin Durant. Uh, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Kevin Durant, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, when we talk about what we took away from this game specifically, obviously there's there's the starting unit that we can talk about. But one of the things that jumped out to me, just at least immediately, is, and maybe this is the footnote, but DeAndre Jordan doesn't play in this game. And I'm not, this isn't anything about him. And I'm sure you're going to tell me you're surprised that I brought, brought it there. But just the idea that even with, without Harden and without so many key role players even, the Nets still ran a tight ship here. I mean, Mike, you know, Mike James was was a heavy part, 21 minutes. And then you have Tyler Johnson and Blake Griffin. That's it. It's a three man rotation. Uh, I'll let you take it over. And if you want to go in the direction of the game and and sequences early on here that you liked. But the first thing that jumped out to me was, is this at least with the roster that was available to them? Are we going to start to see over the last stretch of these games, the, 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 the depth on the roster start to shrink a little bit? Do you think that this is the beginning of that process of refining roles for the Nets and for for Steve Nash and his coaching staff? I think it's probably important to start figuring out who can play for you in crunch time and who can't. I think that mm-hmm. I think we're going to continue to see. You mentioned DJ here, and we can just start with what the starting lineup was because I think that's like sort of instructive now that Kevin Durant's back because lineups with Kevin Durant are going to start looking more like playoff lineups and not just mm-hmm. um, filler lineups like we've been sort of seeing based on matchup and things like that. That Kevin Durant offers you the flexibility to not have to sort of pigeonhole yourself 
into one certain lineup based on what the other team brings. You can, in fact, do the opposite and just do whatever you think is the best for you and let the other team figure it out. <laughs> like, I think that, like, I think that coming out of the gate dictating what the game is going to look like. In this case, we're going to run small ball and good luck, right? Like, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to seed some stuff on the boards, which they clearly did again. That had been something that they had done early in the season and that sort of borderline reared its ugly head. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But so they, but they're going to come out and I think it's important that they come out and say, hey, we're going to play the small ball death lineup here right to start. We're going to go five out. Uh, let's see what your plan is, right? <laughs> because if you, because if you look at what, they sort of did with this lineup is that the spacing on this is nearly impossible to contend with. And then, and I'll tell you right now, this is the really scary part. If you're a team like Toronto or anything other than any, um, any other team that's going to possibly face them in the playoffs. Let's just say that Toronto is not the 12th seed right now. There's something better. I think we can agree there based on what we just said. They just beat the Toronto Raptors pretty handily in a game where Kevin Durant took the sixth most shots on the team and Kyrie did not lead the team in shots either. Like that is a very scary thing if you were other teams in the NBA to say like uh, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Kyrie, Landry Shamit, and Blake Griffin all took more shots than Durant and it wasn't like he didn't play any minutes. He played 33 minutes and they still smoked this team. Like if you're the other teams, you're thinking, well, if that's going to be the case, What's going to be, what do we even do? Oh, and James Harden's not even here yet. So if you're not even going to have these guys turn into high usage guys, but you're going to go out there with these five, five out lineups to start, I mean, you're just dead. I don't even, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to kind of just like point and stop here with this, with a, with just this basic idea, but they went out there, they dictated what the, basically, and look, they got close a couple times, but they dictated what sort of the style was going to be early. And, they just didn't even need the superstars to be their best selves because everyone else was just fine picking up. It's not even picking up the slack. They were just fine doing what they do best, and that was enough to win. Yeah, and you talked about you know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant combined four of ten from the field for twenty six points. So even just even take that number right, combined twenty six points because there could be games we get to the line a lot more. They were perfect there, six of six collectively, but. Oh my God! To, to Pause your, real quick. Kyrie scored nine points. I didn't even look at this till right now. Yeah, nine. Kyrie points. scored nine yeah. points. One of five, three of thirteen from the field. I'm sorry. I actually just read off. I, I I misspoke there. That was them from beyond the arc. A combined four of ten from the field. A combined eight of twenty with a with a three for thirteen performance from Kyrie Irving. So he only gives you he gives you nine points. And I'm not we're not we're not even knocking Kyrie. Right? It's just a quiet game for him. Six rebounds, four assists. Okay, great. Seventeen from Kevin Durant. So combined twenty six points from those two players and. Uh, Kevin Durant, because I don't, we're not, you know, I know we're going to sequences, but he had a, a, a bit of a dagger three left completely wide open that oh, made totally. it 111, yeah, 101 cor- at the end of this the, one. The, cor- the corner three, you mean? The, the one yes. that he hit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but so, but that made it, like, you know, that, that was his, to get his 17th point there, you know, to, to, to yeah. knock down that. He had 14 late into the fourth quarter. To have those two players combine for that type of output in, in a situation where even as they're not having great games, or as Kevin Durant's being kind of controlled, and really from his line, what you take away from it is, he, he was willing to lean into facilitating and seeing other guys get the looks because no matter what happens, if, and with Harden there, of course, but even with Irving and KD, Toronto Raptors can at no point say, you know what, let's stop defending. Let's not worry about Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Let's focus on Jeff Green because he's 8 of 16. Let's focus on Joe Harris because he's 6 of 13 and 4 of 9 from deep. Let's try to eliminate these guys. That's never going to be the case for most defenses because there's never a world where you go, and then maybe, you know, KD won't be one of the three best players in the NBA. Maybe Kyrie won't do the thing that he does on a consistent nightly basis. So this is why... 
even without Harden and even without your full complement of players, this is what I think makes them so dangerous. And then beyond the starting unit that you that you mentioned, get into a guy like Blake Griffin. Listen, veteran understands how to play this game. The one thing that I, I will tip my hat to him, like this dude knows what buttons I think to kind of push. And it didn't, it wasn't a ton of it in this game, but he, he plays the part. Like he plays the part perfectly as far as getting under some guys' skins, taking some contact. We saw a lot of guys take a lot of charges in this, but when he came in with, in the, with the second unit, that also continued to have this kind of role of you're just big enough. You're just strong enough that even against a quality team like Toronto who has length, especially defensively, you can continue to get the job done with a level of consistency that doesn't give you any let up from the starting unit into that second unit. I think that that pays big dividends, especially when you talk about three-man rotation off the bench combined for 38 points, everyone in double digits between Griffin, James, and Johnson. Yeah, and by the way, I'll just rewind for one second. Before someone asks me about not knowing Kyrie scores nine points, I just don't really look at the box score during the game. I kind of just like watch the flow of the game and then no. sort of figure it out later. And I just, that would just, I don't know. Everyone everyone that listens to the podcast kind of knows. You're fine. That. I, you don't, yeah, that, that, that's not an apology thing. Because by the way, it's usually, I like, I, I always enjoy the stat lines. And Doug is the one who usually gives that just the eye test, right? What am I seeing in the game? What do I take from like a bird's eye view? And that's always, it, listen, it's always appreciated. So no apologies by Doug. <laughs> So, um, no, but like it's, it's I, well, two things. One, I agree with you that Griffin's like sort of leaned into like playing the heel role, which is interesting for him in yes. a, late, <laughs> a late career turn. We've seen this from a couple different guys who have sort of embraced the I used to be a superstar and now I'm going to be a pain in the ass. Like Dwight Howard's like this. It's a little weird when he does it, but he still kind of does it. These guys that have gotten into late careers, the athleticism's gone. And they've sort of just pivoted into I'm going to be this now, and <laughs> and I think Blake Griffin has taken uh, whatever the page is out of that sort of walking orders, or like that's going to be his role, or he just sees himself as a as a an, a role player right now, which he clearly does by the way that he's sort of playing. I, I I'm here for it. I, I completely appreciate it. But yeah, like the the way like the way that these guys can all play together, and the way that it kind of tends to flow around the different guys that are in there and it's actually I think why you see the um the shot distribution look the way it did in this game I had this moment during I think it was during the third quarter and they were passing the ball in such a way that it sort of reminded me of a really high level soccer team when you not in the sense that that when you like it doesn't resemble soccer but it resembles a team like you know you watch a lot of soccer like you it it resembles a team that there's a control that, that yeah. you play with and an execution that and you kind of like and, and, and you can elevated. tell when the yeah and you can tell when the other team doesn't have it when it stands in stark contrast to the other team where it's like one I can't even picture ever getting the ball from this team the way the way it's yep. being controlled right now that it looks so fluid and purposeful that it's impossible by the way once I had this thought then Toronto went on a huge run and almost tied the game so, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so don't even I don't, think it Doug don't even think it in your mind <laughs> yeah because I made the note and then uh and then but and then they just like they basically tied the game but I like with the 10 point or they made up 10 points anyway but but do you understand like what I mean by that idea like the fluidity around the ball movement where it looks like everyone just sort of knows where to stand and it's so ingrained into what everyone does that as you watch the flow of the game it looks so effortless effortless and I just think it looks like when you see one of these high-level club teams play, you know, like you know the the big guys, right? The ones, and especially when they're playing someone that's maybe a lesser squad. Sometimes you see this on an international level too, where it just looks, it stands in such contrast to the fluidity that it just looks. I'd stop short of saying beautiful, but it looks effortless. And then it's what it's, it's what actually drives 
what you'd look down in the stat line to say why the shot distribution looks actually even because when it's working like this it can be anybody can take the shot get the ball and take the shot as long as you sort of know where to stand right like you create triangles on the court basically just like you do in the soccer field and then if you move enough into those spaces there will just be shots that are open for you so i just had that thought i don't know does that make sense what i'm saying about like this like the like stylistically how it can remind you of those two things Oh yeah, if you talk about you know whatever you mentioned like you know like like a Man City like like a Barcelona when you talk about some of the elite players around the international soccer game what what you Europe, European football as we like to say but you see this in the Premier League I'll use this as the example because there are a wide spectrum just like in the NBA in terms of talent on the teams and some of the relegation zone teams you know they're battling and they're trying to hunker down defensively but what you'll see from a Man City is controlled possession methodically move themselves down the field start to as you said it is establishing triangles you know dipping the ball into the top of the 18 and then kicking it back to the outside now working it to the left now coming back and all all the while every player is shifting and slightly moving pulling the defense in a different direction opening up these little pockets and then what sometimes you know i'll just say for you know american fans that maybe don't follow soccer sometimes what feels like man what a bang bang play that was right quick pass and then a goal no there, there's there's a 33 you know sequence step process that happens before that opportunity comes and it's not unlike basketball tighter spacing and things happen more quickly but over a shot clock when guys, when veterans like Blake Griffin, when someone who knows his role like Joe Harris and Jeff Green, when those parts are moving and understand where everyone's going to be, it really is run, set that screen, run it off, take a guy underneath the basket, pivot from the left side to the right side, and then all of a sudden a three-pass sequence, and there is Joe Harris, there is Jeff Green, there is Tyler Johnson standing wide open for a perimeter look. And that takes all of those steps up to that point, and it's also easy and fluid. And I, it's fair to throw it out there, right? It, it is beautiful at times to watch because it does look so effortless, and that, that's a talent thing, and it's also an IQ. And I think you are starting to see, in spite of not having every single piece on the court together this season, you're seeing what I think Sean Marks and this organization envision for how things could play off of these big stars. Yeah, it's like we said, we it's it's helped that these guys have gotten more core time than they probably thought they were going to and a higher usage than they thought they were going to just having to play without the superstars around so that when everyone gets back in, uh, it can look even that much better. All right, we're going to get into the end game sequences here, how the Nets uh, basically daggered the Raptors uh, in the end with a little bit of closing lineups that looked uh, well, a little bit unexpected. I would say you were speaking about something beautiful. I'm going to tell you about something else that's beautiful. Built Bar, baby. These things show up at your house. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. It's an absolutely beautiful box. <laughs> I don't want to compare it to the high level we were talking a second ago. But when you're talking about protein bars, it's on the same level uh, vis-a-vis uh, what we just talked about with the NBA. That's Built Bar, the very best protein bar on the market. Join in the fun that the NBA DM that we have going around here has when these built bars show up at your door, when everyone just goes crazy. You order them yourself, you're going to have that same exact feeling. Bars are completely covered in chocolate. You're not going to believe they're actually healthy for you, especially when you hear the flavors caramel, brownie, cookies, and cream, mint brownie, salted caramel, not ice cream flavors, actual protein bars that are actually healthy healthy for you. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, just five grams of sugar. If you're on the keto diet, bang, perfect for you there. All you got to do right now, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED, just like our podcast network, 15. That's for the 15% you're going to get off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And what's also beautiful right now, 
is what the action you're getting over there on Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We use Bet Online. You're going to want to use Bet Online. It's just the very best service out there. Baseball in full swing right now. NBA, obviously. Also, you can track everything there on Bet Online. This is a great week. NFL draft coming up. A little prop betting if you want to get your action in on that one. Kentucky Derby up this week, too. A little first leg of the Triple Crown. It's all there for you, plus all the latest news odds and info for your sports betting needs head on over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore it's a big chance to get in the game as teams prep for their run for the playoffs head on over to the website bet online and sign up right now that's free but you're going to want to make a deposit and when you do use the promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome Bonus bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, like we said, oh, oh, sorry, to get into it. You go, you buddy, you get into it. All you, you get into it. (laughs) Well, actually, unfortunately enough, I was going to have a bit of a side note where I just mentioned, you know, that the horses are like they're just built like as a species, they're built to run. Like that's what horses want to do. I find that so fascinating. I, they, they'd be doing it even if we weren't on their backs and, and riding them around rings. So you may have thought that I was jumping in so excitedly about the closing lineup. I, I got lost on a pony. To walk me through the uh, what the new death lineup looks like for the Brooklyn Nets as they, as they put them out there on the floor tonight, and I'm sure in your mind coming into this game, you said guys getting good minute shares and being ready to step up. One of the guys that has obviously gotten so many opportunities over this entire season, you expected an 11 point point four of five from the field kind of performance with eight assists and that's Mike James obviously right well there's two things that happen with Nets point guards this year they play awesome and they get hurt and that is like those are the two (laughs) those are the two and you know what knock wood as long as Kyrie Irving does not fall into that category I'm fine with that yeah like just keep these other guys playing point guard like keep Mike James playing the point guard for as long as he's able to withstand his body not getting ravaged by injuries because that's what happens to the other guys that play point guard for the Nets look it's just what happens when it's why it's so easy for it's so it's why it's so easy for Nets fans to get excited about players on a on a kind of game to game basis because again it looks it's a lot it's so much easier to play basketball when you play basketball next to these other guys now you have to be good like Mike James clearly looks competent but it's why anyone that really joins the group ends up looking good it's why actually players on good teams end up that are maybe just the same skill level as others in the NBA end up get, probably getting end up getting paid more because they it ends up looking a lot better for them right <laughs> because it's like it's easier to look good when you play along really alongside really good players that's not look that does not a, a hard and fast rule but if you're going to be good but Booby Gibson comes to mind when LeBron James had him in Cleveland right feel like he I, maybe got a little bit elevated over his pay grade I mean literally everyone that's ever played with LeBron James has basically <laughs> yeah, gotten paid right. like it's it's because <laughs> he's either a he's friends with them or B, like their game just looks so much better just uh, because he was able to elevate their game. So it's just, it is kind of just what happens around these certain players. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Tyler Johnson got a ton of minutes in this game, hit some huge shots. Mike James got a ton of minutes, hit some huge shots, especially from three. And clearly, as the game, I mean, TJ didn't close, but as the game got late, they just felt comfortable keeping him on the court. And I think there probably is a certain feeling around some of these guys where we've talked about you, there's also probably a feeling of I don't know who's going to be available come playoff time. So it's probably best that if anyone looked competent, they get quality minutes while we can afford to give them because 
there is some chance with the way this season's going with injuries and COVID and everything else that's going on that some of these guys will see, well, just kind of like have to play meaningful playoff minutes because that's just going to be what happens, <laughs> right? And so mm-hmm. the fact that a guy like Mike James can come in, look clearly so confident, and also, I mean, not only confident, but I, I think at times he thought it was like, it's. I think in his mind it was like, it's Mike James time. Like he was just trying to take guys off the trying to take guys off the dribble while he while Katie and Kyrie are on the court with him, right? <laughs> like when he's he, you know he guys, had he had a little bit of he had a little bit of you know he was thinking, hey, it's TLC time, baby. You know what I mean? Got a little <laughs> infection there. Only 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 in this one he actually executed. <laughs> it actually works, right? <laughs> like it, the ball actually went in and he actually like, went to the hoop and didn't get blocked into the stands or whatever. Like the, like oh. that was the TLC. No, so I think that I think that this closing lineup again. Put basically anyone around KD and Kyrie, and it's going to probably look pretty good. So I, I don't, I, I really don't want to make it sound like these guys are the next coming. There's a reason Mike James is getting signed to you know a 10 day contract in the end of April, right? It's because we're really thin on, on options here. But the fact that they can step up, the team can feel confident, and the system in place is so um, is so aligned, just sort of across the board. That as long as you just sort of know what you're doing, you can step in. That's why TJ played a lot of minutes tonight and was really good. It's why Mike James played a lot of minutes. It's why Landry Shamit's been able to play a lot of minutes and it's looked really good. Harris was awesome. I, I'm going down the line to say that I think they probably could have closed with any five combination and they would have won. But the fact that they just are trying new things, I, I'm it, it's it's a good sign because you, one of these guys actually might be important in a playoff series. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. You don't necessarily know who that's going to be, but this actually does go back into. I think Kevin Durant said it before he came back from this little little extra injury stint that he had, and they're, I think they're referring to it as like you know the stay ready crew, which is all of the second unit guys or the guys that aren't necessarily seeing minutes on the court. DeAndre Jordan would have fallen into that group when he had a long stretch when we first got Lamarcus Aldrich, and then even guys you know coming back off injury like Tyler Johnson or TLC is going to be down there at times. And I think it was yesterday, possibly, or before this game, Kevin Rant was saying, like, playing with our, you know, gym crew, the guys that don't see a lot of minutes on the floor, it, it gets you ready. It gets you in the game mode because these are guys that for random stretches throughout the season have ended up playing big minute shares. So everyone that may not see time in the playoffs has spent all season, though, getting chances and then being able to provide that kind of you know, ramp up that kind of workout, which you don't always see because usually there's not much talent. And I think while we get so caught up in the idea around the three superstars, you know, wherever you're going to put some of these back end guys, they're the they're some of the best back end guys you could want to have. And, I, and it goes to skill set and also mentality and mindset. And that that's why it pays dividends. That's why Tyler Johnson missed a handful of games, comes back and gives you three of six and ten points. It's why even Mike James that you just randomly picked up. But he falls right into line with everybody, right into rhythm and sync. And I, I'll be very curious to see which one, whether it's a Landry Shamit, whether it is Tyler Johnson, one of these guard guys out of that group is going to play a big role come playoff time. And, and I'm going to have nothing but confidence in them because I'm getting that sample size and the affirmation of it over and over again. And it happened tonight. Great late close. And Mike James, by the way, straight ripped the ball out of Kyle Lowry's hands at one point in this game. I mean, I, I just loved every act, aspect of it. This was... One of those games that you just got to at the end of it, turn it off, not worry about anything, and just be a smile across your face, which I know is such a cliche thing, but it was thorough enjoyment start to finish in this one. 
Yeah, and 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 basically when it ends, like these guys, like James looked great, Jeff Green played really well, and in the end, it still makes it still makes a difference having the superstars on a team because the the basically the dagger parts of this game were still dictated by the superstars, right? Now Kyrie struggled, got into a little hero ball stuff, um, and did you know the shooting wasn't that great, but does get a pretty key steal. And like somewhere under the four minute mark off of Pascal, he's so active defensively. I, I'm really actually really happy. Yeah. He's not for as undersized as he is, um, and he's going to get called into switches. You can't run switches onto him all the time. Like he is pretty active, and the hands are so fast on defense that you really can't ISO him all day long. But then Kevin Durant, for as much as he hasn't shot, and they ran doubles at him all day. Um, that's why the that's why the shots look low. They kind of said, you know, you're not going to beat us. Everyone else can, and they did. Uh, but they they were overshifting onto Katie as much as possible to make sure that he was kind of taken out of the game. And that's why you saw a lot of that ball movement happen. But still, after the Kyrie steal, Durant hits a couple uh, free throws. They go for a couple more possessions, but then the key sequence is off of there was like a deflection and then Katie gets that little mid range right and it's like there's mm-hmm. so few guys that are in, in basketball that can just like ele- can accelerate stop elevate and hit the mid range and he just did it, he did it like it was like somewhere around the two minute mark um and it's like it's just like kind of a quintessential Katie move and then right at the next possession after they cut it to seven they first they just lose sight of him and he's wide open in uh in the corner for the three and that's basically the game right like that's what as one does oh man i forgot about kevin durant well it's funny because for as hard <laughs> as they worked all game to make sure that didn't happen like that was like that was yeah. clearly the marching orders for toronto the entire game was to under no circumstances are we to leave him and at more times than not are we going to have like an awesome defender on it, like a very long awesome defender on it, and we're going to run doubles as much as possible. Like that was all game was what happened with him, and the fact that it just right when they were kind of pulling into it, and it finally broke down, right, <laughs> and and he just standing there wide open, and that's the end of the game. And he turned around and let him know too. Like he turned around to the bench. Oh yeah, right, right when he hit that, and was kind of just like I think reminded him like that was a huge mistake on your part <laughs> to allow that to happen. Because K E V I N D U R A N T. I'm well, him Kevin standing in the Durant. corner. Yeah, him standing in the corner is a, is akin to a layup. I like that's um it's just yeah. it's a it's a three point layup for him at that point. So um yeah, so for all the work that they did, all the defensive stuff that they threw at him, all the kind of like making them making it be a little difficult and make the looks be difficult in the end, um, you know, talent kind of wins out and he Katie for the first few shots as he took at the whole game. The end game is uh, where it ended up happening. All right, so we're going to get out of here. We're back again tomorrow talking more Nets basketball. Obviously, we'll break down some more of this game. We'll take a little more of sort of how the playoffs can break down. Uh, There's a few different ways it can go. We've been streaming this entire thing on Locker Room tonight. I failed to mention that at the beginning. Uh, We've been on Locker Room. We're going to jump in here in a second and talk to anyone who wants to uh, come forward here. The Locker Room is always a good time trying to do this at least once a week after games. Always good to talk with folks about the game. So make sure you download the Locker Room app as well. And in the meantime, you help the podcast by rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars or bust, write a little review. All those people that have come along this season for the ride, much appreciative. Keep seeing those numbers climb. Makes us feel great. Love talking Nets basketball. Love to have you aboard. Rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, get all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. It's host Peter Bukowski who updates you on all the latest news every single major sport with the help of all of our local experts. You can follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. And hey, only thing you need to know is the job is real and the money's real. Mr. Church. 
Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>